0: So Patrick Mahomes just got sacked again, but. we're Football for the next hour, I'm your host, Will Bazer, and I'm joined alongside by Johnny Bershire and Tim Preston as always. You guys listen to the Hornscast channel. It's the Hornscast channel on any podcasting platform out there. Y'all are also listening to the Budos band bring us in. Thanks as always, and uh, y'all should check out their music. It's great stuff. Texas has had an interesting month over the past month in basketball. They've dropped four out of the last five games they've played. So we're going to talk about what is behind that, where the absolute hell did that come from, and what does it mean in the grand scheme of things in this season, and questions going forward under Shaka Smart. Then talk about the rebound week coming up as Texas takes on Kansas State and TCU. What are we looking for in those games? Y'all, Oklahoma State once again destroys dreams. How are we feeling? Good. All right. That's that's about right. Sounds about right. Do we want to pretend we're basketball this week and talk football? All right. All right. Seems like we're we're off to a hot another hot start this week.
1: No, um, I'm just gonna
0: lay out for the rest of the hour. Like, just, can y'all just answer me this one question? What the fuck, man? What the fuck? I
2: I said that many times myself on Saturday.
1: I said it many times Saturday as well. And also Tuesday. And the previous Tuesday. And the Saturday before that? Or the Wednesday before that? It's been a... It's been a rough couple of weeks. We are bringing the fire early
2: on in this. This is
0: yeah this has been a this is a hot start this is definitely one of our better podcasts out here yeah this yeah, this yeah.
2: is what people don't pay for right here
0: this is 100 yeah this is this is why you guys don't pay the big bucks but Baylor was one that was at least foreseeable right I even underestimated how good Baylor was I've watched them and still it was just like watching an NBA team play. The way that they shot the three and they just took advantage of every single mishap that Texas had. Now, they did get some help from a pretty awful technical call, giving them a lot of momentum in the game. Still, I mean, it's just hard to compete with Baylor this year. They are just on another level in every scene, sing- in what seems like every single facet of the game.
2: Yeah, they. Uh they might end the season undefeated if for no other reason than they might be on COVID restrictions the entire rest of the season. They today uh, announced that they've postponed three more games, which means they're now down to six postponed Big 12 games plus having to miss that uh, the tournament that they were probably going to play Gonzaga in um, or no, the Gonzaga game was, was, was it in that tournament or was it on its own? I forget. <laughs> if uh, postponements and cancellations for losses, Baylor would be like a five seed right now. Um, they are possibly entirely made out of COVID-19 because they don't seem to be interested in letting it get out of the building at any point. But when they do play basketball, they're really, really good at basketball. Um, they've, you know, they they are at a level where You have to be nearly perfect against them. And while Texas was pretty good to uh, almost great, they were not perfect. The, The free throws were a problem. The defense made tiny slips that were enough for Baylor to exploit. You know, and when Texas went on its run to start the second half to grab the lead back, Baylor responded with its own run. You know, they've, that's sort of Baylor's patented thing this year is they go on a run at some point where they add 8 to 12 points to the margin and then it's basically church at that point. And that's what happened, you know. Uh, the technical sucked. I, I I really hate that technical, especially in light of a Tennessee player having a similar dunk the same night and staring at the guy he dunked over and flexing and not getting a technical in that game. It sucks, but it wasn't the cause of things. Like Baylor was already on their 16 to 4 run when that technical happened. So really what happened was it was a 12 to 16 to 4 run instead of a 12 to 4 run. And it was, you know, Baylor is just on another level this year and as long as they can keep the Rona out for a month, which that may be their biggest challenge this year, they're there's a reason why they're a heavy favorite to make a final four and possibly the title game.
1: Yeah. And, and Texas has had pockets of shooting really well from the three, but I think what you saw against uh, for Baylor against Texas in that game was when we've shot really well from three, like the Kansas game, it was just there was a formula, right? It was Matt into the lane kicking out for three, Ramy the next play into the lane kicking out for three, Andrew in the lane kicking out for three, and like like everything kind of came from that. That wasn't this game. Like Baylor certainly had some had some opportunities to play inside out, but they were just hitting shots with a hand in their face. <laughs> they they were they hitting rise up three point shots off the bounce and canning them above fifty percent. Like it's and it wasn't
0: like they looked lucky. <laughs> They no were pretty shots
1: yeah they i mean it, this is this is a legitimate team like this was not so, you know it's sometimes obviously if if Texas were to shoot above 50% from 3 in any game like, no matter what, what game it is there would be a handful of fans be like well we can't shoot that well every night and that'd be true like we can't shoot that well every night but you did not look at this and be like what the hell it was just like no okay that's just this is a super fundamentally sound team and they you know they took advantage of, of spots where Texas was in decent position and still couldn't do it like this is kind of that that quintessential of really good offense beats really good defense and that was an example of that and and you know, we talked about it in you know in the in the leading up to it podcast where i said okay these these things have to happen for Texas to win and a few things as johnny said didn't you know obviously the, the turnovers were frustrating and the free throws were certainly what they were and if Baylor shoots. Well, anyways, it just. I, I'm not sure. If nothing else change, you know, like if if a bunch of other other things change, but the free throw numbers and the turnovers stay what they are, I just I don't see how Texas ever probably beats that team. You know, unless other yeah, goes ice cold, but they are just they're so solid everywhere with their help defense. They're solid with stopping ball in the lane. They're really good with with grabbing offensive or like big defensive rebounds. They don't foul stupidly. They just it just felt like even when some of their guys got in foul trouble, they're like okay, well then we'll lock it down somewhere else. It just was everywhere, everywhere, super solid. And uh, Texas can hang with them, but not when they're shooting 55% from deep.
2: Yeah. And, and Texas played as well as Baylor or arguably better than them, maybe eight minutes out of the 40. And, you know, that's not that's nothing from a team that is almost... his. Like, this this Baylor team has now entered the, the conversation of possibly one of the three or four best Big 12 teams ever, right? And so... Texas playing that well and losing by 14 is not that surprising because this Baylor team is And like, even
0: that score, it's almost an over-exaggeration of what the game was because it was a lot closer than that for the majority of that game yeah. than a 14-point loss.
2: Yeah, and I think, you know, that's and that's sort of the thing with Baylor this year is that there have been a handful of games where the other team felt like it was in it until they weren't. And it, and it wasn't like... There was some domination from the jump. Like I mean, Baylor's clearly dominated some teams from the jump, but there have been some games uh, where they just have this, this stretch where they just expand the lead. And, it, you know, like the game against Illinois earlier in the season, Illinois was real close with them, and then they weren't. And Texas was real close with them, and then they weren't. And it's just Baylor has a gear that teams like Texas and even Michigan don't reliably have. You know, they've got it for a period of time, whereas Baylor seems to have it the whole game. And that's, you know, the only other team that's like that is Gonzaga. I, I watched them struggle this weekend against, I, I forget who it was, one wasn't St. Mary's. Gonzaga had a, uh, they were playing somebody and they were down at halftime. And you're still like, okay, well, at some point, here comes the run. And that's what happened. At some point, here comes the run, you know, and that's just sort of, that's who they are. They're just, <laughs> just really good. And fuck Scott Drew.
1: <laughs> yeah, big time. I don't know if I would push back on what Johnny's saying, but I guess maybe a little bit different viewpoint on it is uh, it doesn't even feel like runs. It just feels like they're going to be who they are and the other team's going to go on runs and Baylor's is going to keep on doing what they do. And, and that's maybe how I would how I would put, put it differently is like you can you can play your best against them for a while and you can kind of cause some problems for them for a while, but they're just going to be who they are. That they're going to get offensive rebounds. They're going to defend you really well. They're going to keep you from off the offensive glass. They're going to hit, you know, they're going to hit at least open threes and probably tough threes. And they're going to keep on doing that, which has been, if you watch Gonzaga, like it's, it's one of those things. They they're not really a spurty kind of team because they're constantly on spurts. Like they just are always, always doing, you know, uh, playing at that high level, and it's 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 impressive. As Johnny says, like I I I could not hate the coach more. But I'm really impressed with the team. Like, they just, that's, that's a really good team.
2: You know, the thing is, Jared Butler, if there was no Davion Mitchell, for example, Jared Butler would probably be scoring 25, 28 points a game and still hitting 40% plus from three. Like, he's a legit All-American dude, but he can kind of, like, I don't want to say coast, but he has—he he doesn't have to force the issue because he's got these other guys
0: around him. So it's 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 a talent thing and a depth thing with them. We know Baylor's good. It it, it was evident. It's been evident. And it's not really a story that Texas lost to them. It's more a story of how Texas played them. The story of the past month has been Texas' struggles overall and capped off by an absolutely atrocious performance in Stillwater against Oklahoma State.
1: Offensively
0: offensively, where they shot less than 20% from three and less than 30% from the field. And they did well at free throw, so, you know, hooray. But it's just what the absolute hell happened against Oklahoma State. Where did these issues come from, and is this something we should expect to continue? Why weren't they against Baylor when, you know, you had even less time to prepare against an even better team, Where, where, you know, what, what happened? Why are we still seeing such inconsistency from this team?
1: Well, when people talked about this team, obviously a guy like Greg Brown and a guy like Kai Jones and a senior Jericho Sims and even a sophomore Brock Cunningham or Donovan Williams. Like you thought about those guys as like, wow, what great, what great guys that really round out a a roster. and, And we got a ton of talent kind of all across the board. This was really the Coleman, Ramey, and Jones show. This is going to be what it is, and I don't want to say that we've ridden them single handedly because a, there's three of them, <laughs> but but certainly it's you understand college basketball as being a guard dominated game, and they've done their fair share of that, and when you look at the past under shaka what it's felt like we've been missing is exactly that those senior guards who've been through the ringer who understand how to kind of take care of business in tough environments when things aren't great when shots aren't falling they can still find some way to kind of will their team to victory and and that has been true a decent amount obviously we've had some close losses that that maybe you know different circumstances would have been nice but it sure felt like if there was an example game of, of those three just, just absolutely shit in the bed that's just what it is and I you know I say that the offensive thing was was true uh, because actually defensively they were pretty good I thought that they did a great job of getting Oklahoma State uh, in foul trouble and then for some reason didn't capitalize on that at all or even try to capitalize on it which was it probably goes back to those three guards again but it was certainly if if games like North Carolina or games like Kansas were examples of those guys at their best. This was a game, an example of them at at just about their absolute worst. And, you know, Oklahoma State's not a bad team. They've got some length and some talent. And obviously you got that Kate Cunningham who's going to step up and hit a big shot with whatever it was. 50 seconds left that that big three and then came up with a big steal when we just had the second (laughs) had the second inbounds turnover. That almost led to a basket in what two or three games is like okay why why are we doing this this doesn't seem right but but I, you, you hate to lay it just at those three guys' feet but I, I you know if there's any game that you can legitimately at the college level just simply kind of blame on three guys I, don't, I just felt like Matt Courtney and AJ just really played us out of a win or or weren't ready to play
2: yeah I think it's it is it is good to differentiate between the defensive and offensive performance because w- one of the things that I have been concerned about leading into this game is that Texas defense had been slipping. They they had been in terms of their efficiency metrics in terms of how they defended teams, they had been getting less and less effective and I had been getting somewhat concerned that this might be a, a repeat of a couple seasons ago where The offense was still doing fine, but the defense just shit the bed. And so in that sense, the Oklahoma State game was rewarding on the defensive end because they were clearly pretty locked in defensively. They did a good job of making Cade Cunningham's life very difficult. Uh, Other than Caleb Boone, they basically made Oklahoma State just bad offensively. Like this was a, you know, they they held them to, I think it was 0.83 points per possession, which... That should be good enough to win most games, right? If you hold your team or hold your hold your opponent to eighty three points per hundred possessions, that's 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 pretty that's pretty solid territory. It's really solid territory. But it was paired with one of the worst offensive performances I've seen in a long time.
0: So we know that there is an issue with Andrew Jones, Matt Coleman, Courtney Amy, and just basically everybody on the offense. I mean, yes, I understand it. it is hard to overcome Matt Coleman shooting. 0 for 7 from 3 or Andrew Jones going 2 for 13 from 3 or Courtney Ramey going 1 for for 6 from 3 or Greg Brown going 0 for 3 from 3. It's really hard to overcome that, right? Look, well, I mean, Kai I, Jones is I 1 of 1 entire... from 3. I don't know what you want from him. He's uh, Clearly, he's the offensive juggernaut of this team. Kai Jones, yes, yes, yes. yes. The offensive juggernaut. Yes. Uh, Kai Jones from 3. But you, you have to put a little bit of a parallel here between Oklahoma State and Oklahoma game because both of them came down to basically the last possession for Texas where Texas had a chance to at least run down the court and take a take a 3 or at least have some sort of set up play and this time they had Shaka Smart in their entire team but things just fell apart and they had Shaka Smart for the entire game you know there's people who are going to be pointing their fingers at Shaka Smart what is your response to them
2: so Okay, and I'm going to jump in here, Tim, before you leap in front of the bullets for Shaka, because you are a known Shaka apologist. You son of a bitch. <laughs> this... I... It was... Oh, God. Um, it, this this was this was rough on a lot of levels. And it is absolutely right to say that Coleman, Ramy, Jones did not do their part offensively. Uh, that... that you know, there was just a their their issues against a basic zone were staggering. I, you know, I watched this team and they for the first time all season they looked shook to me. Is is the way I, I I watched the from I'm gonna say around the five minute point of the second half through both of the overtimes they they to me felt shook. They had no confidence in their shots. I I watched Coleman put up a three. Towards the end of regulation, I think it was, it bounced out, and you saw him visibly just slump when when it didn't hit, and he went the other way, and and I, I don't remember what the end of the play was, but just I, I remember watching him slump and seeing uh, and thinking, okay, yeah, this this game is church at this point, like out, out barring some sort of weird calamity, it's church because there's a couple areas that bothered me. Obviously, the offensive ineptitude sucked. But what bothered me more than that is the fact that the three guards who earlier in the season were always game to drive to the rim and try and get a basket, two of them clearly were not interested in it for whatever reason. Ramey was the only one who seemed willing to still drive to the rim he got blocked repeatedly because he was telegraphing the fact that he was getting to the rim and he wasn't looking for anybody else. So Oklahoma State with their length was able to easily come up and block the hell out of that. I mean, there's a reason why Oklahoma State blocked, I I feel like four of his layups in a row in, in the late going.
0: They had nine blocks overall, which is a pretty big number.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and The thing is, with a team like Oklahoma State, especially with a guy like Caleb Boone, who is as aggressive as he is, with a a series of guards like this who are experienced, if they are confident and they are aware of their surroundings and they are, you know, of a sound mind, for lack of a better term, they're going to notice that. And if they're not, the coaching staff's going to tell them and they're going to remember it, and they can play off that. Like, if Caleb Boone is coming for the block, you can pass to somebody who's open. There'll be a skip pass. There'll be, you know, maybe Sims or somebody who's who's coming into the lane. Like, there are options. But Coleman was uninterested in getting to the rim. Andrew Jones was un- uninterested in getting to the rim. Ramey was uninterested only interested in getting to the rim he wasn't i mean he was shooting some threes but he, it seemed like towards the end he's just trying to force the issue and all of the offensive fortitude had evaporated from this team and it's a it, it's a serious problem if it is something that repeats itself i mean it's you know it's possible that this is a one-off thing we will see as the season progresses if it's uh you know, they just had their offensive to Deer, but it was, it was bad. And I, it's the first time this season I would describe this team as shook. And I hope that I don't have to describe them that way going forward.
1: So I, yeah, I'm not going to bail out anybody. I won't bail out the players. I won't bail out Shaka. We had the same conversation, conversation Johnny and I did on Saturday night. Afterwards, we were, we were talking a little bit that evening about how shitty it was and how frustrating it was and you know we we talked then that i want to say oklahoma state played zone for probably a good 15 20 possessions at least and we saw jace for 0 minutes if there's a zone buster on the team it's him and he got he got no minutes whereas I think Johnny said Donovan Williams got 26 minutes in I think that game. it was game.
2: 26. If memory serves, I
1: research. mean, it, it, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. Not that I don't love stretch. I certainly do. But but you know, if if I could choose one single person on the team as a zone buster, it's Jace, and he got no minutes.
2: Or or at least give him a couple minutes and let him take two or three yeah, just to see to see what happens. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, it's it's not like Oklahoma State was pounding us with big guys. There's no reason Jace couldn't, you know, log passable minutes at the four, even if it's nothing great. And like Oklahoma State wasn't exactly on fire. Anyways, that was irritating. And and if I'm gonna criticize Rick Barnes for playing Jay Lucas, or not Jay Lucas, but Justin Mason against Baylor when Baylor was playing a bunch of zone and then and then Shaka doesn't play. Anyways, it that was that was a lot. And as as Johnny said, it's just to see the guards put that way and, and Will, as you said, the free throw numbers were good, but Matt and Courtney and Andrew scored 37 points on 49 shots. That's awful, and that includes 14 to 15 from the line, which means they would have been 23 points from 49 shots from the floor. It's just terrible. <laughs> that's 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 absolutely inexcusable. Both that they took that amount of shots when it wasn't falling, and also that it just was that. And 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 as Johnny said, like it's it's one thing if. If you're taking free or if you're taking three point shots and it feels like you're stepping into them with confidence and you you know that hey it, like, these are going to fall eventually but it as Johnny said it the footwork wasn't there the preparation wasn't there you know we you know instead of instead of finding the open pass they would take a hard bounce dribble you know off of off of a ball fake and then shoot kind of an off balance three and just like over and over and over and and I guess I do wonder I don't I don't know the answer because again Shaka is kind of famously private about his team. I really do wonder, and this is just a guess, I wonder if he ran the shit out of them because it was the first couple practices they'd, that they'd been together. I wonder how much, because I don't know that I've seen this Texas team that gassed in any game this season. It sure felt like they had no, nothing in the tank, which could be COVID-related, or it could be that Shaka pulled to Rick Barnes is like, we're going to play super hard.
0: Well, that goes to my next point Here is Texas is 4-5 and five over the past five in the past month. However, they had eight games scheduled over the past month. So they could be, instead of you know having lost four to last five, having lost four to the last eight, and it looking better than it is. But it doesn't. It's pretty bad, and the losses are not great either. I guess you could look at Oklahoma and Texas Tech and Baylor as three that are, you know, that's going to happen. But Oklahoma State shouldn't. And I guess in the grand scheme of things in this season, is this something that we should come to expect is that, you know, maybe this team was, you know, not as great as we are expecting because Kansas isn't looking as good as they, we thought they would be be this year. Neither is UNC who were their two big, uh, you know, their two big tests. Yes. They played Villanova very close and looked good. They look good at times, but, uh, you know, I, this, they haven't beaten anybody, you know, they, they've beaten West Virginia, and that's about their best win this year. And it was off of a last-second three in a game that they really should not have won. Is this team not as good as we thought it was? And is this something we should expect to continue? Or is the past two games of the past month just a consequence of a pandemic and playing in a pandemic and having half your team or basically, basically your entire team out for what two two weeks?
1: Well, as I'm always want to do, I guess there there may well be a contradiction coming up here, and and I'm I'm willing to deal with those consequences.
2: I, I'm here for it. So,
1: so we're in my opinion. So, hate to talk it, about this is already shit here. wrong yeah so Johnny and I were talking about this again on Saturday night because we just you know had a, had about a four and a half hour rocket league slash bitch fest that we had a chance to sort of try to debrief and process the game and 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 I I'm taken back to that exact game at West Virginia will and the mountaineers are playing are playing pretty inspired basketball and I want to say they were up by something like eight or nine in the second half the mountaineers were. And Texas sort of comes back and, and and is playing pretty well. And then in the second half, all of a sudden, Ramey and Coleman take over. And Ramey gets to the lane and gets to the rim a lot that game. I want to say he, Ramey had like three or four layups in the last eight minutes of that game. And Matt Coleman was cash on his runners. I think in the second half against West Virginia, he was like five for six um, from two. And I believe four of those five were shots that he shot from like, you know, eight to 12 feet. This is runner that he likes to do or just kind of floater with his left hand. And they all, they all drop. And since that West Virginia game, Matt has seemingly been in love. Like how many times have we seen Matt shoot that floater? And it's just been bad. Like it, that's just not a high percentage shot. And you might have good games, but if you look back in the, the last Texas guard that shot a lot of those was Isaiah Taylor. There's a reason Isaiah Taylor shot like 42% overall. It's because that's just it's just the it's a very difficult shot and he's kind of fallen in love with that. Uh, I want to say also that that Johnny had pointed out to me that over the last 3 games, Matt's taken two free throw attempts. And it's and, and so you're seeing it's instead of getting all the way to the rim, He's kind of taking, you know, and, and a lot of those floaters are open, you know, quote unquote. But from a same standpoint, it's because they're a hard shot, and because coaches won't allow you to take that, they they don't want you to get to the rim, they don't want you to find that, so they'll, they'll allow some space. And and I just I think that there is a little bit of an identity crisis here, and whether that's Shaka's fault or whether that's a question of of how do you really deal with these with these circumstances as far as COVID nineteen and these stoppages of play and and who's available and who's not available. I don't know, but I, you know, I'm I'm particularly happy that Kansas State is next because I I do think that this team is that that good team that was there for the first two months of the season is still certainly there. I don't feel like Greg Brown has lost his mojo. I don't think that Kai is without you know successful opportunities. I don't think that Jericho is just you know going to be in some crazy slump because of his bad free throw shooting that played them a few games ago. But I, we do have to figure out some way that it that that those that our three guards are not taking fifty shots, fifty damn shots, uh, and and a guy like Jericho takes seven, and Greg only takes eight, and Kai takes like five. Like that's just that's just not who we are, and and I think that obviously you know you you want your your best guards to be dominant and in control but when Texas has been at their best it's been a free flowing offense it's been a lot of shots for a lot of guys it's been fast it's been getting to the lane creating for others and i just don't think we've seen that as much lately and of course that gets more you know if if andrew shoots 6 for 13 from 3 instead of 2 for 13 then are we having a different conversation i guess but even if he had shot that well i i still feel as if the type of shots that they were taking the type of offensive sets that we were getting it just didn't feel like the same team, which really gives you pause. Like, why would Matt, of all people, of, of all circumstances, be playing this way at this time? So um, hopefully he's like, hey, this is my senior year. We got a chance to get it back together. We just went through the, the, you know, clearly the roughest stretch that we had here in the season. And hopefully they're ready to kind of turn it back around. But it's it's been a lot. and and. Uh, you know, to what do you say to the shotgun people who are or to people who are so frustrated with shotgun? And say, hey, where, where is it going to be? They're going to fall apart again. Well, at this point, it certainly looks like it's true. Um, so we'll see.
2: I think what we're learning here is that um, all of the information you hear during these podcasts comes from me talking during Rocket League. That that seems like I feel like that's the only thing
0: we can take away from most of these. That's, that's pretty podcasts. much it. Is
2: like I am. I am. I am the Oracle of Texas basketball while drinking during Rocket League but also that I'm a good listener yes yeah oh no, you're you're clearly <laughs> taking notes and you're just, um, so I it, it, Tim talked about a, a lot there and there was a lot good there um, that I'm not really gonna
1: contradict. Which but, me, uh, mostly that I said initially, but yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm not going
2: to contradict, which is a contradiction of the contradiction I did earlier. So really, I contradicted. I guess is is what I'm saying. Um, Tim, you're terrible. Uh, so point taken. Yeah, the 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 way I uh, one of the things I, I would I would sort of have people consider is that uh, when Tim was talking about this season coming in, and one of the things that he harped on is how can Texas get to 12 wins in conference like that was sort of what he wanted to see as a as a good sign for this team um, as as that meant that they were probably in the running for you know a top three seed or in the conference like he's probably if you're winning 12 games in the conference you're probably finishing third or better um Texas is currently in Pomeroy predicted to finish 10 and six. And the two games that they lost in conference to postponements were uh, Iowa State and TCU, which both were... a was it?
1: At Baylor and TCU.
2: Well, they've lost another one, though, right?
0: And, uh, and, T- and Ooh, Iowa yeah, State.
1: Yeah, but the Iowa State game got rescheduled.
2: Oh, that's later. Okay, yeah. All right. So in the original schedule, this was going to be... Uh, They would have had Iowa State and TCU to this point. They'll have Iowa State later. Um, And that was the stretch. That was part of the stretch I talked about before the season of this seven-game stretch is where they need to really make their bones if they're going to get there. If they played Iowa State and TCU in their normal positions and with nobody out with COVID, Texas is probably 7-4 and right now in conference instead of 5-4. and And they're probably, instead of being on pace to 10 and 6, they're probably on pace to 12 and 6. Like, the the Baylor game was at Waco was probably going to be a loss, so maybe call it 11 and 7 at this point. Um, that's still them on basically the pace that we had hoped prior to the season. And we knew that a team that is 12 and 6 or 11 and 7 in conference is going to take some L's, frankly. Like that's just how it, You're gonna take a. You're gonna take a loss in a third or greater of your games, um, and their losses to this point are Baylor, who is beating literally everyone they faced, uh, a two point loss to Tech in the last minute, and a one point loss to Oklahoma in the last minute. Which those are reasonable losses in a conference like this. Like those are understandable as much as you would rather beat Oklahoma at home and maybe lose on the road. That kind of loss is understandable. The the only truly bad loss is the Oklahoma State game. And it is clearly a bad loss because as as even though Oklahoma State is a tournament ish team, they're sort of on the right side of the bubble now, in part because they beat Texas um, and they're now they're now ranked. This still isn't Radford. Right. Like this isn't, uh, you know, problems with Kent State or anything like that. So it sucks and it's it, and it's frustrating. And I'm sure I was cussing as much as anybody else on Saturday. But there is a little bit of perspective in terms of where they are now. Like I think the Oklahoma State game just really kind of it, it it's it sticks in all of our craw, understandably so. And so we're grumpy about it.
0: So let me go ahead and boil down this entire segment into three questions, and I want you all both to answer it with one word. Is the game against Oklahoma State a fluke or a sign?
2: I'm going to say fluke at this point. I, f- I want to say TBD, but I'm if, if this is one word, I'll say fluke.
0: Tim? Mm, fluke. Is the last month going four and five, over the last five, is it a fluke or is it a indictment on Saka Smart?
1: Well that be let's see, indictment on Shock Smart. That'd be four words. So I guess I have to say fluke then. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm
2: gonna I'm gonna say expected. That's my one word. Expected. Expected. Like okay. I, you know, I mean when have you ever heard me boil something down to one word? Ever. So I expected them to take some L's, so I'm not I'm not gonna call it a fluke because like they earned that Oklahoma State loss. But like yeah, expected feels right.
0: Okay. Okay.
2: So
1: should that we be worried? my four hundred word answer to
2: your one word question?
0: Should Texas fans or Texas basketball in general be worried, yes or no?
1: So I guess if I could go back and answer all three, I would say fluke, fluke, but also yes.
2: Yeah again it's tv again like i i understand people being worried i for me again is tbd like it's this is a series of data points and the last give data me your point, hot take my <laughs> my my hot take is that anything that's made with horseradish sucks wait sorry we covered that um yeah yeah, yeah. so yes caveat you know, like, like yes? Question
0: mark is my answer to
2: whether they should okay. be working.
0: We're not. We're not spawning any calling cowherds out of this out of this podcast, are we? No, thank God. That guy sucks.
1: If we if we come out of Kansas State and then what Saturday is it? TCU. TCU. If our three headed triumvirate of guards have, let's say, if they take sixty percent or more of the shots in the next two games then I'm going to be particularly nervous. If those guys, no matter how many points they score, like even if they go crazy and they score a ton of points, you know, they they take, you know, they they combine for 55. But if they're taking that amount of shots and we're seeing it, we're seeing a consistent approach where it's creating for themselves or creating just for, for the three of them or whatever, like, like them for each other, then I'm nervous. We need to get back to playing a style of basketball where they're sharing for everybody where Greg has a few more shots, where Kai has some more shots where we find opportunities to get Jericho open in the lane. And if we can't, if, if, if those guys are, are high volume shooters, I just, I don't know that they can create well enough for themselves. I mean, I think Ramey can, but I, I think if Matt and Andrew are forced to create for themselves, we're going to have more games like Oklahoma state. So I, I'm interested to see with that. Now, luckily, I think that TCU and Kansas State could be what the doctor ordered, but we'll see.
2: So, my my question for you is: What if those shots are almost entirely, or not almost entirely, but they are getting to the rim reliably and and scoring as opposed that's, to shots?
1: That's fair, but I, I I mean Andrew has some, but Andrew is still more likely to take a six foot jumper turnaround or something like that, then I think he is to actually get to the rim. If anything, Andrew's kind of been bad at the rim lately. How many missed layups have we seen from Andrew over the last few games? That's been a problem. I just, I'm not sure that Matt, other than, other than attacking like straight line drives has been a get to the rim guy. And he just, I think he's been most effective when he's been looking to get lane touches as someone who's going to create for someone else. But if if he takes four or five floaters a game, and and Andrew takes five or six pull up three pointers a game, particularly off of a shot fake, where it's just it's a low percentage shot for him, and if Ramy, as we said, just you know has to kind of create by himself and and needs to finish against a set defense, particularly a set rim protector, like that's just not a win that he's gonna have. And so having a guy like Kai or Greg as someone that can spread the floor is good. If we're allowing them to, and if if those three take forty nine shots like they did against Oklahoma State, and again that's that's you know that's obviously a little bit um, that that number is kind of cooked because of the double overtime. But even then, it just it just feels like that's been a a, a style of play that I don't I really don't think that we can win a lot of high level games playing like that. Now maybe I'm wrong, and maybe we you know get that in the tournament and we'll see what happens. But I'm not convinced that's a that's a recipe for success moving forward.
0: Beyond who's taking the shots and when, what are you during this rebound week, what exactly are you looking for?
1: Well, I'd love to see Greg and Kai. I would love to see finding some way to get either Jace or Donovan some more some more confidence or see if we can get Greg some more shots and see if he can get going. You know, it did feel like there were a few times against Oklahoma State where Greg just you know, he took he took some threes. At least one of them was really hesitant, just like I don't want to shoot this. I don't want to shoot this. Uh, okay, fine. So I'd love to see some more of that. I, you know, just finding ways. It feels like Texas has been a really good job of getting Jericho that first shot. Like how many, how many times over the last three years has Jericho been the very first one or two possessions? Like, Oh, we're going to get him going and he gets a basket or whatever. Like they go to him immediately and then kind of seemingly never again. I I'd like to see some of those like scripted plays for, for our three big guys, Kai and Greg and Jericho, and then, you know, find something else out. Like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to show this and allow that to kind of give us some spacing and, and get those guys hopefully going a little bit early. So I'd I'd love to see that. Um, otherwise, just as Johnny said, like they, they look shook, they just look nervous and scared, and and like they looked like a team that had lost for the last five, and that every good team they played, they had kind of lost to recently. So sometimes beating a crappy team can be just what what you needed with that. So hopefully, it's it's a game where they can get out to a double-digit lead somewhat early and just feel like, okay, we can play free and loose. Um, if it's a close game, man, even though these teams aren't great, I I really hope they don't have a close game because I could see I could see those jitters and nervousness or n- nerves kind of coming back to haunt them. So.
0: so if it is a close game or a loss to TCU, let's say, how does this change your view of Texas this season and Shaka Smart in general?
2: My answer is... It really depends on who the loss would be to. Like, Kansas State would be significantly more concerning than TCU because while TCU is not great, they have pretty good offensive ability and they have swept Oklahoma State this season. Like, they're 2 0 against them, and that's not nothing, right? Like, they have a couple guys uh, in, in uh, Miles and uh, was it Nimhart? I think off the top of my head. I'm trying to remember who it is. Uh, Yeah, and Samuel. Yeah, well, yes. Well, so they've got Mike Miles and Nemhard, who can both hit threes at a pretty reliable rate. They both hit their free throws. Um, Samuel is a really interesting matchup for the Texas Bigs because he is in a lot of ways sort of Jericho-like in that he grabs a lot of rebounds. He kind of sucks at free throws. Actually, he's way worse at free throws than Jericho is, even because I think he's something like 34% in conference play. Um, but he's also really mobile. And so there's there's sort of, in some ways, TCU is kind of a poor man's Texas, um, you know, like on, on a very superficial level. So, you know, the the fact of the matter is that TCU is not good defensively, but they're solid offensively with spurts of being really good offensively. So they have the potential to outscore a team if the other team is not doing what they need to do defensively. So I would be bothered by a loss to either team, but I'd be significantly more bothered by a loss to Kansas State than I would to TCU. I I, I would hope the Texas goes two and O here. That they sort of need to go two and O if they're gonna sort of build back their, you know, not just confidence, but sort of their their Big Twelve resume in terms of finishing the top three um, and and going for a protected seed in the tournament. So you know, if they lost to one or both of them, if they lost to both of them, then then yes, hit the hit the panic button for sure. Um, but it's. It, It's sort of contextual, right? Like Kansas State is terrible and Texas should beat them home or away. TCU is okay. They have moments. Like they're kind of, they're they're dangerous, right? They're they're a dangerous team who has some bad moments on their own. So it's like Texas should be favored against them. They should win that game, but they can't just expect to roll the ball out and win it.
0: All right, then. Uh... I think that's all we have for the show. Um, when is Chris Beer going to be the coach, I guess, actually, is my next question. He, he already is. You just don't know.
2: It's a, huh. He's actually the Q of Texas basketball.
0: He's the B. Yeah. Yes, he's B. It's just B. B. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess we could pretend to get to know ourselves. How, how do you all feel about that one? Pretend to get to know us? Sure. I'm ready Alright, alright This this is an interesting question that I came across So basically we've been stealing all these questions We've been doing for the past few weeks off of a, a An article it's Basically like, hey like, Give us like 200 questions Because we're lazy And uh, yeah, there's a, there's a sneak peek into how we perf- Perform on the show Qu- Quote unquote, we Yeah, well okay, fine, me But this question was interesting uh, if you were the opposite sex, who would your celebrity crush be? Who wants to go first?
1: Uh, sure. Uh, Chris Hemsworth
0: Chris Hemsworth.
1: He's got the accent. he's super handsome. he seems like a really funny dude like I'm not sure what more you want. He like makes like 65 million bucks to make a single movie. hard to hard to argue with that I would say he probably only works like you know four months out of the year lives in Australia. What a time.
2: He, he probably works 7 months a year. 3 months is just on the abs. <laughs>
1: right. Right, but you know, like and he's paid he's paid to work out to look awesome and seems funny and and you know, very handsome. So, there you go. I would imagine that being married to him would be pretty incredible.
2: So my answer is probably the same whether I was from the other uh, other gender or not in Michael B Jordan that 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 man pretty. He's like Wait,
0: Michael Jordan, Ma- Michael the basketball B- B- player. No,
2: Michael no, B. Jordan, no, no. Killmonger. Yeah, Killmonger, Creed. Uh, what's it? He's is Fruitvale, Fruitvale Station? Fruitvale Station, Fahrenheit 451.
1: He's Michael he, B. Jordan. Oh come on, Will. Good grief.
0: I don't Do know celebrities. This is gonna be a really Marvel difficult Bro? question for me. This is gonna be a really different. Oh yeah, that guy's good looking. That yeah, guy that's a good jaw. And yeah, everything. that's a good
2: looking man. And he's and he's always he he always plays like these thoughtful roles like. When he was Killmonger, even then, like he's he's got like this very like the the ethos is there. Like he's always very grounded. And I I watched him on some Bear Grylls show, and you know, I if I met him right now, I would probably giggle like a schoolgirl. Like I'm not gonna lie, I'm I'm not even really into dudes, but I'd be like, well, you know, whatever. It's just it's not. He's a celebrity.
0: It's not gay. He's a celebrity. It's fine. Whatever happens. Okay. Okay, yeah, I, I get that. I, I kind of get the – this is really funny. I like this this question. This is pretty fun. I get to geek out here. Right, I just went up and I looked up a list of top ten sexiest men because I don't fucking know. Um, that's
1: a good thing to have on your Google algorithm.
0: That's, that's true, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I, I this one was the one in front of my head that I was sneaking up. I was like, uh, I don't know. I was like, is he actually like a good-looking guy? Uh, that you know like I'm not just biased because of the players the guys he's acted as and Ryan Reynolds number six in top 10 sexiest men of the world and uh also I just really like the guy he seems like a likable dude who's down to earth and is pretty I guess pretty damn good looking I guess I can I can say that yeah you know, I mean like yeah. as a dude he's good looking
2: yeah if if you if you land Blake lively you've probably done you're probably pretty good looking. She, she does not yeah. go after scrubs, I don't imagine.
0: If he can play Deadpool, if he knows Deadpool, and he's like, I know he's a good, he's a guy who is well-rounded, at least in my book, and, you know, he, he probably is is a pretty fun dude, so I, I could I could go for that. I'd probably be my celebrity crush. I'd probably, I, wanna, I mean, con- that is my celebrity crush.
1: I want to congratulate us for none of us going for McConaughey, not pandering to the crowd. Incredible.
0: I- oh, that's true. <sighs> McCau- he's McConaughey
2: so, yeah,
1: would be. I, I could so go. Much,
0: I couldn't go for the craziness. I couldn't go for the over the top. There's,
2: he's too much. He's too much. Yeah. Like, and he's also like approaching fifty. So if we're like, I gotta look. If you're, if we're gonna, McConaughey. What about
1: Dallas Buyers Club, McConaughey? <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> we gotta go with like. Oh, let's go with Jared Leto. He looked even skinnier. Um, there's, look uh,
1: uh, the machinist Christian Bale. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Look, Ryan Reynolds during Blade Three or whatever. Yeah, sure, hand job, fine, whatever. I don't care. Like it's that's he's that that dude. Like he was even more cut in that <laughs> than he was. Like Deadpool's like him fighting aging a little bit. Whereas in Blade Three, he's just like here are my fourteen abs, and I'm like, all right, congratulations, that's
0: impressive. <laughs> yeah, but like okay it's for, for me and I feel like I don't know for for everybody who's alive there's there obviously has to be like some look component to it but you know I feel like for guys guys are just not that great to look at in general you know like we're not we're not you know sleek or well no none of
2: us are but Ryan Reynolds is definitely sleek. See, uh, now hold on, hold on. Look, t- Tim, w- Tim. Will's looking nice. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's, he's. It's like the. Appreciate that. Yeah, Appreciate. it's like the yeah. Pillsbury Doughboy came up with a cut son. Uh, I mean, I didn't want to say anything, <laughs> there's, but there's, there's a, it like you know we're fine, right? Like we we have our <laughs> we have our individual characteristics that are nice. Touch. Like Johnny Tim is hot to the touch. Tim is Tim is a great personality, is what he
1: is. <laughs> huh. I'm take I'm 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 bring me home to mom and dad. Like I'm the guy That's who true. you bring home to your parents, you're like, oh my gosh, we love this guy. Yeah, yeah marry him immediately. Yeah. He's But he's, I don't want to have sex with him ever. Yeah, <laughs> anyway, but <laughs> marry him right now. <laughs> it doesn't matter. We he
2: does he's not after our inheritance. Clearly. He would have said it at dinner. <laughs> um Yeah.
0: But back to Ryan Reynolds' abs. Yeah, but like Okay, back to back to the fact that I don't think like for girls like I feel like it's easier to be like girls just in general have like like a, a cleaner like look about them.
1: Guys, no, no. <laughs> girls have to look better because they hate us and they ha- and they hate themselves and so they have to do it. Like I I don't think they should have to, but I think they the pressure that's there for them is, is far different. If we had the pressure on us that girls did on themselves, the women sorry did on themselves, we would probably look very different than we do right now.
0: That's true. And maybe I'm biased because I just I'm I like girls. man stuff. Man.
1: <laughs> man, man,
2: man. So but uh all, all I'm saying is if Brad Pitt from Thelma and Louise Age showed up at any of our doorstop doorsteps. We would all end up fucking him if he offered.
1: I mean, yeah. 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 I'm watching the Kansas Oklahoma State game right now, and I'm reminded uh, that Donovan Williams tried to take a charge, like legit from three feet inside the no charge circle. (laughs) Oh, my God. That was (laughs) so terrible. Yeah. I I also enjoyed
2: the the other guards looking at him going, What are you doing? (laughs) Like, like your literally like your your hair is inside the neck. What are you so doing? So
1: bad. Like, oh my god. Yeah. Like that's yeah. that's that fake huxle bullshit that it's like, okay, whatever, my guy. Speaking of hair,
0: Ryan Reynolds' hair is amazing. Oh my god. I would let that dude do unspeakable things to me because of that hair. Tim? What no,
2: Tim? Tim? Is 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 this too close to home?
1: No, I'm just. I'm getting a little bit uncomfortable. I'll just be frank with you. It's just. It's just. We're getting there. Tim, you wouldn't. You wouldn't let Idris Elba do. I just want to talk to Hemsworth. I just think he seems like a nice person. I just like while
2: while Idris Elba is railing you from behind, is this? (laughs) I just look. He's Uh, he's British. He's he's also he's got a he's Australian. No, I'm talking about Andrew He's He's got, yeah, he's got arguably even a better accent than Hemsworth. And he is, you know, Stringer Bell, and he was also in, like, every every movie ever. And Wasn't he in
1: Cats? Like, I don't want to date a guy who's in Cats.
2: Why not? That
0: would make me want to date
2: him even even... more. He will show you his furry cat butthole, and you will be amazed (laughs) by it. It will be a sexy... CGI cat butthole and you're gonna be like oh that's why they didn't release the butthole cut this is too
0: hot this is too hot Tim if you had boobs for a day <laughs> would you not let Jake Gyllenhaal <laughs> I'm just going down the list I Bradley Cooper
1: no not Cooper Gyllenhaal Let's maybe why,
2: wait, wait why did you not stop at Bradley which
1: Bradley are you fine with no, not Bradley Cooper. Mm. Like, <laughs> what about Henry Cavill?
2: There's, there's another, there's another, there's another Bradley out
0: there that he's fine with. I don't even know who, who's another Bradley. Bradley Beal. There you go. I don't know. I'm looking at some of the guys on this list, and I'm just like, nah. George Clooney. Tim, if you had boobs for a day, would you let George Clooney touch them? I just
1: would find the hottest lesbian I could. I don't know. That's just all there is to it.
0: Hmm. Huh. Hmm.
1: God mm, bless you guys, idea, I mean, that's I,
2: cool. I don't know, I mean, like, what What if George, so what if George Clooney said, hey, me and Amal are gonna show up over here to feel your temporary female boobs?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so look, full disclosure, when we get done with this podcast, I'm gonna keep my microphone on, and I don't know if you know the song uh, Too Late for Goodbyes by Julian Lennon, uh, the, the son of John Lennon. And I think I've got a pretty good acoustic version of that going on. And this is a decent mic and I've got the pop cover going on. So I think I'm going to go ahead and play that for a while and just going to get my own thing going. I'll send it to Johnny probably tomorrow, maybe the next day and to see what he thinks. Um, I think he's going to like it. It's going to be something special.
2: So would you fuck Julian Lennon? though?
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right. I think he oh, might be dead. On that
0: note, y'all. On that note y'all, thank y'all for pretending we were football for the past hour. I've been your host Will Bazer. You guys can find me on Twitter at W I L L B A I Z E R. And well actually first, you guys can find all of us on Twitter at pretend we are fb. Get that s out of here. Pretend W E R E F B great Johnny great twitter
2: handle choice by the way like that you have yeah, to pretend
1: yeah. were FB <laughs> get
0: yeah. that apostrophe out of here I don't know I don't know like, PWF was taken Ugh, everything is bad but uh Johnny Bashir Mr. Bit of White Guy where can we find you I'm sort of surprised you
2: didn't pick like PWF 6969420 or something uh, I should have I probably yeah. could Yeah, Tim would have fucked it if it was a dude so uh yeah you can find me on twitter at bitter white guy uh you can also find me on substack .substack bitterwhiteguy.substack.com uh also on patreon because some handful of people feel like they should pay me for my work which is nice but clearly not enough to pay the alcohol bills around here especially during oklahoma state games so
0: mr timothy preston where can we find you
1: Yes, sir. On Twitter at InsideTexasHoop, no S, and at InsideTexas.com. Yep, F that S. And then at InsideTexas.com. Wonderful community. Come hang out with us.
0: And you guys can find us and our other shows right here on the Cast channel, which you are listening to right now. I don't know why I plug that every time, because you are listening to it currently. It's dumb of me, and I should stop. But I'm not, because it's in my rotation of things to do, and I just feel comfortable doing it. Are we on Spotify? We are on Spotify. Let's fucking go. Yeah, we're 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 in everywhere, man. Everywhere you can find a podcast, you will find the Hornscast. On that note, thank y'all for listening. We'll see y'all next week. Hook 'em.
1: Hook 'em. Oh, this is one where I have no idea where it's gonna go. Let's see. What to talk about, what talked about. Well, my wife found out today that she's in line to get the vaccine. I hope that everyone who is out there who has a chance to get signed up for it, please do so. Very important thing to do. Uh, The science behind the vaccine is quite sound. So uh, if you're thinking about not taking it, I think you absolutely should. So uh, I also had a friend who kind of recently, her husband, who's also a really good friend of mine, is a dentist and she works at his office and she was nervous about taking the vaccine she's like, oh, I want kind of the old people to get it or I want people like first responders or whatever to get it because she just works at the front of that office and she qualified. So she's like, I'm not going to take it. I'm not going to take it. And, we, you know, we talked a little bit and I don't think she's going to take it because I talked to her about it. But she she ended up gotten the first one. So that's good. I hope that people end up doing that. So talk to your health providers. Make sure that you are kind of taking that taken care of. Also, fuck Scott Drew. Um, not like actual fuck Scott Drew, like Johnny was talking about, because that shit's gross. And Johnny just, you know, hate fucks whatever he can. Um, but, but, you know, like fuck Scott Drew in a, in a kind of terrible, awful way. Um, what else, where else can we talk about things? Weather. We are in the middle of a polar vortex up here in Iowa and it is terrible.